0: Let's get something straight about these words from our Lord Jesus today. They are not meant to intimidate you. They're not meant to scare you. It's not Jesus laying some type of standard down, telling you that if you don't do these things, then the hammer is going to fall Dear brothers and sisters, if that is how we approach Judgment Day, I submit to you today, I think we are approaching Judgment Day. We are approaching the words of our Lord Jesus today all wrong. Because here's the truth. If Jesus is setting a standard, if he's holding something out for you to meet and saying, if you don't meet these things, you are going to go away into eternal fire, then we have every right to be nervous. We have every right to be concerned. I think a lot of people see the, the, the day of judgment day and in their head it's Jesus holding out a scale and he shows up and, and he does what it sounds like maybe he's going to do here and he takes your good works, the nice things you did for people and he's going to put them on one side and he's going to take all of the shortcomings, those times when we didn't do those things for him or for those around us and he's going to put them on the other side and he's just going to hang it and he's going to watch you and you better hope that the scale winds up tilting the right way. If that is judgment day, oh my, we have every reason to be concerned about that because we know that if we did have to stack those things up next to each other, the good versus the bad, there's a very good chance, a high probability, probability no, probably a certainty That those bad just far outweighs anything good you and I have ever done in this world because we know that sin completely and totally corrupts. Yes, if Jesus is laying out some type of you better do list here, then we're in some trouble. But I submit to you, I think he's doing something different. He's just stating facts. He is saying that there are going to be two groups. There is going to be the sheep and the goats, those on his right, those on his left, the righteous, the unrighteous. And all he's doing is he's, he's delivering facts about what these two groups look like. He's saying, those on my right, those are the sheep, those are the righteous, and, and their lives look like this. And ultimately, I will bring them to be with me forever. And he's saying to those on his left, the wicked, the goats, that this is what that life looks like. And on the last day, those people are going to go go away from him. He's just stating facts about what someone who believes in him looks like versus somebody who doesn't. He's not saying to us, hey, you need to be sheep, get more sheep-like. I know you are starting to bob, but you need to grow fur. You need to become more like the sheep that I'm telling you about in this story. No, Jesus is just saying, you are a sheep, and this is what happens to the sheep. And it all kind of hinges on verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. How do we know we're sheep? It's not just by looking at, at, at all of those actions that we're quote-unquote supposed to be doing. The way that we know we are sheep is that we know that we have been blessed by our Father in heaven. We know that he holds out that promise of eternal life with him, that beautiful inheritance that he speaks about in verse 34. We know that that is ours and because of that, and just because of that, yes, dear brothers and sisters, you are sheep. And all of that other stuff that Jesus says about sheep, how their lives are conducted... That is already you. Jesus is painting this fundamental truth that faith is shown in action. And if the actions don't exist, it's not like you haven't done enough for Jesus. Essentially, Jesus is saying, if if you don't see these things in someone's life, there's a very good chance that faith does not exist. Jesus will ultimately serve as the judge, the jury, and the executioner on the last day. Are you ready for that? It happened, dear brothers and sisters of peace. I have lived here for 16 months, under a year and a half, and I have already gotten a letter in the mail. You have been summoned for jury duty. So if I see any of you later on in the week, you're in a little bit of trouble never done it before. I, I don't really know at all what to expect from, from sitting there and, and being on the jury, taking in the evidence, hoping to be able to discern it the right way, and kind of carrying your own intellect, your own understanding about the case, and, and just doing your best. It's a little intimidating because I know I am not a perfect person. I know that I'm flawed, I know that my rationale, my reasoning isn't always perfect, and you're, you're hinging somebody's fate on somebody like like me. It doesn't seem good. Like I said, our Lord Jesus is the judge, the jury, and the executioner on Judgment Day. And and when he looks at you on Judgment Day, he will see all of the evidence every single ounce of it. He is going to see the sin. Oh my goodness, is he going to see the sin. He is going to see my, my heaps upon heaps of sin that stand before him. And then, in a much bigger and beautiful way, our Lord who sits on the throne as the judge is going to see the counter-evidence. He is going to see his son hanging on the tree, suffering hell so that you and I never have to suffer it. He is going to see our Lord Jesus conquering death For you and I. He is going to see our Lord Jesus living a perfect life here for you and I. All of this evidence is going to be so much bigger and stronger than any of the evidence to the contrary. Because I will continue throughout my life to provide my Lord with evidence saying, I am not somebody you should want to take home to be with you in heaven forever. But my Lord will see the works of his son Jesus and say, Absolutely. The case is closed. It is open, shut. It's not even a question. There's nothing that hangs in the balance here on Judgment Day for you because you are mine and I I am yours. When that is Judgment Day, Judgment Day is a fundamentally different thing in our eyes because it's not a a maybe. It's an absolutely. Absolutely. And as we go back and and look at that verse 34, that one that says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. We see that beautiful, comforting doctrine of election where Jesus says, Before you took one step on this earth, all of the evidence was in your favor. Because before you took a breath, I knew you. Before you took a breath, I had saved you. Before you took a breath, I had forgiven you. The concept of Judgment Day is terrifying for the unbeliever. But for somebody who knows their Savior and knows that their Savior knows them, Judgment Day is beautiful. In fact, Judgment Day is just a sort of an elevated continuation of what's already going on. Let me explain. Today, right now, on November 26th of 2023, you are a child of God. You are an heir of eternal life and you have this new creation inside of you that wants nothing more than to live at peace with your God now and forever. And when Judgment Day comes, whether that is November 27th or whether that is thousands of years from now, all of those facts are still going to be the same. A child of God an heir of eternal life. And when Judgment Day is over, when we find ourselves with our God forever, all of those facts are going to be just as true as they are today, except for it's going to be raised to another level in which all of the, the tragedies of this world, when all of the hunger and the thirst and the nakedness and the shame and the prison and the, the sickness, when all of that is gone, we will just be left with that life with God himself. Yes, Judgment Day is it's a fearsome thing, for us. But I will grant you, dear brothers and sisters, it, it is for the unbeliever. There's something about Judgment Day that's, that's most concerning for the, the unbeliever. And, and it's, I think because they know deep in their heart, of hearts that, that two things are real. One, that God is absolutely going to come back. And two, that, that hell is a real place. And it's, it's something that's a bummer to talk about because you realize that, 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 that hell, the absence of God and his blessing is a real place that he says exists and that people will actually wind up there. But in so many ways as we look at Judgment Day, that, that separating that God is going to do, that, that, that ultimate act, God is showing love for his people. He's saying enough. Enough. I'm done with my sheep being oppressed by the goats. I'm done with the Christian having to battle unbelief and doubt every step of the way. I'm done with sin catching you up and and, and biting you around the ankles. I'm done with you you feeling bad about yourselves. With the guilt and the shame of sin following you, he says, I am going to do away with all of that and I'm going to take unbelief itself and I'm going to remove it from you and I am going to save you through this act of separation. We see it done throughout Scripture when, when God uses the flood to separate Noah and his family from the unbelieving world. He is doing it in, in an act of mercy to Noah and his family. When, when he sends the, the fires to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he's, he's saving Lot from those wicked cities. And, and we see throughout the Old Testament that as, as God puts a big, heavy hand between his people and the people of those wicked cities in Canaan, God is showing love for his people. It is difficult to imagine. It is maybe even a little bit uncomfortable for us. But we know that God in his judgment is one, perfectly just. And two, he is loving. So what do we do with those first words of our, of our reading? What do we do when it, it does sound like Jesus is telling us that we need, to, we need to live like sheep. We need to be the people that, that help the hungry that give to the thirsty, that that help the oppressed. There's a man. And he sits on his laptop at home. And he finds this this interesting website that tells him all about this trip that he could take to Africa. And and he could take this trip to Africa and he uh, he could help build a hospital and he could help dig a well. And he's really intrigued by this website, and, and he checks it out. And the next night, he takes a look at it. A- and it suddenly consumes him. All he seems to care about is, is what's going on over in Africa. And he sees the fact that they could be building a hospital, and, and that sounds really cool. And that he could, he could be digging wells, and that sounds really cool. He could really be making a difference, and, and that all sounds awesome. And, he, and he's consumed by it for weeks and maybe even months. And finally, he gets up the nerve to turn to his wife and say, Honey... I got to go. I need to go and do this. You know why? Because they need me. And his dear, patient wife holds his hand and says, Honey, your daughter's room has been drafty for the last month and a half, and she's sick now. She needs you. Your son is working on his college essay and, and he hasn't gotten the nerve to ask you for help on it because it seems like you have been so obsessed with something else and he really doesn't want to interrupt it, but he, he needs you. The people at your job are, are starting to get a hold of me and asking what's going on in life because you seem so off at work because you've been consumed by something else that now, now they're having to pick up your slack. The people at work need you. I was at church and it seems like they, they keep having announcements for things that you can do, ways of uh, for which you could serve the other Christians at church. They need you. And yes, honey, I need you. I need you. You seem like you have been gone, and, and it feels like I am less important than the cell phone, the laptop that's in your hands. I need you. Dear brothers and sisters, if you are looking for needs. If you are looking for the sick and you are looking for the oppressed, if you are looking for the imprisoned, look no further than the people that are in your life with you right now. There are people in this room that have needs. I think we get around this uh, this time of year, the holidays, we get to Thanksgiving and Christmas and we start to think to ourselves, you know what? Soup kitchens. Mission trips. These are the ways that we are able to serve our Savior and the rest of it is just sort of living life. Flee from that idea. There are needs that exist. They're so simple. And they're so necessary. Serving as a sheep is not about constantly looking for the next extraordinary act of service that elevates your life as a sheep. Serving as a sheep, living this world as a sheep is finding extraordinary joy in the most simple tasks, the most simple needs that God has allowed you to fill in the lives of others. Isn't it kind of beautiful how how the righteous people respond when Jesus says, you're sheep. Whether you knew it or not, you're actually sheep. And they go, when on earth did we do any of these things for you? They kind of look at Jesus like he's crazy, like, like they've never experienced some type of compliment like that before. Do you know why that is? Because sheep don't know they're being sheep. They just are sheep. They just do it. The sheep doesn't ba because you tell it to ba. It doesn't grow fur because you tell it to grow fur. The sheep just bas and grows fur. That's just what they do. The believer just serves because that's what they do. They don't need to be told to serve. They don't need to be pointed. This is how you have to serve and this is how you have to serve. They just, they just serve. It's as natural as breathing. It's as natural as the, your heart beating. You're sheep. You are a believer who knows. who knows the love that your Father has lavished on you. It's as simple as You go to the the, the same fast food place. Maybe you have a favorite fast food place here in Aiken. When you hop in the car to go there and you've been there a hundred times, you don't have to punch it in as far as directions go. You know exactly where you're going. In fact, you probably get in the car and your mind completely shuts off because that's just what you do. You know exactly where Five Guys is. (laughs) That's being a sheep. You know how to serve. You know... How to, to show to show this type of love and compassion to the people in your lives. And in that moment, you're not showing that love and compassion in order to earn God's love or earn your salvation. You are simply giving witness to the thing that already exists in your heart, and that is faith. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, for the unbeliever, judgment day is terrifying. Utterly terrifying. But for sheep, man, could you imagine a better day than, than a sheep being, being called home, being allowed to live inside of the master's house where there is no disease, there are no wolves, there are no goats, there is no, no issue left for them to conquer. You are sheep. I'm a sheep. And I cannot wait till the shepherd comes back to get us. Amen.